Have you seen this? If you didn't like Billy Friedkin's Sorcerer, maybe go easier on it after this. Have you seen this? The world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Hey, you know what? Actually, I think that's a very good capsule because I also did not like Sorcerer. And I think I might be easier on it after having watched this movie. Yeah, yes. this is the, the unfortunate thing is. Uh, oh, Jen, do you want to introduce Mike and everything? Sure. Uh, she's here. She's queer. She's bitter Corella. Thanks for coming along, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be here on Have You Seen This? The only podcast on the internet about obscure, forgotten, and misbegotten movies. That's great. That's right, Mike. <laughs> I appreciate you advertising a show people are currently listening to. Well, this is a free episode, <laughs> yeah. so um, also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash have you seen this. Patreon, tell me more. Well, $5 a month not only gets you two extra episodes a month, but access to our Discord, where um, I promise I'll post those gifts I made of Demi Moore coming down the slide in nothing but trouble and flopping in the ground and then uh, hitching her boobs up. That's that's the best part of the whole movie. That's a that's a value add right there. Yeah. So yeah, and I mean it's it's tough to pick the best part of that movie. Oh yes. Well, um, are we going to review it, uh, Nothing But Trouble a third time, or would we like to? We might as well. <laughs> Let's do. Um, what I like about what I like on Nothing But Trouble <laughs> is it's an, a movie, a very interesting movie where interesting things happen on the screen. Mm, mm. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> Uh, now things certainly happen in it, and interesting is a way of describing it. But uh, today we are talking about uh, William Friedkin in *The Wasteland*. Um, he just passed away this year, and I was very sad for a minute until I remembered that you know he had a good run. He was in his 80s, and also he was kind of an asshole, which might explain an this A-list movie, director. But, you don't say. Yeah, well, uh, it might explain this movie, but we will get to that. And of course, since this nominally uh, counts as folk horror, um, it, oh, being, God. it being a movie that was made, <laughs> we of course had to have Bitter Corella on to talk about that, our, our resident expert. Right. Well, I yes. like having um, I like having Mike in reserve mm-hmm. in case Tim really loathes the movie, which is uh, you know <laughs> seventy five, eighty percent of the time. And, and that I was, think I was right to do so. Yeah, that was well considered. I'm going to take off my headphones right now, so you guys just finish without me. Okay, see you later. <laughs> Tim's going to dive into a big Rubbermaid container filled with Legos. <laughs> so, That's Tim, I, I'm taking it you did not like this movie. I, well, once I had something else to do while the movie was on, it got a little better. But I realized that I, I sat down and watched it, and about 20 minutes in, I realized I just stopped paying attention to it. I wasn't watching this fucking movie like after... <laughs> like after the first third of it, and then it's like, oh, this is going to be a tough yeah. episode. Well, now having seen it twice, I will say that on a second watch, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is real stupid. Um, <laughs> how were you on the first watch? The first watch, she loved I was... it, which is what's really. <laughs> yeah, I wild. thought I was watching To Live and Die in L.A. 
Mm. And then it turned out I was actually watching To Live and Die in L.A. And I gave, I accidentally gave this five stars. No, um, the thing about this movie is that most people hated it, including Roger Ebert, who I think maybe included it in one of his, I don't know if he included it in I hated, hated, hated this movie, but it was on the list of the movies he hated the most from 1990, which, you know, fair. But when you get a pitch for a movie like that, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be a real big pile of shit. And then when you see it, it's reasonably competently made. If a little silly, you're just like, okay, well, it's not that fucking bad. But it doesn't hold up when you revisit it. That's my take in a nutshell. God, I'm actually kind of, I think it's kind of weird that Roger Ebert would work up that much emotion about this movie um unless 1990 was a very slow year for bad movies because um this movie is not good but it's really just kind of dull um i thought what didn't like i watched and i was like yeah there's nothing really bad about it it's just it's just there's no there there yeah not not knowing ebert's reasons for it i would speculate you know similar to, to mike here is that what I think he's most offended by is that it isn't even a disaster. It's just boring. It's a complete waste of time. So I'll well, see you and, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and <laughs> let's also not forget that Ebert really didn't vibe with horror a lot of the time. Mm, mm, that's the true. closer you get to splatter or slasher films, I think, the, the less he liked it. But the wrinkle here is that this is a William Friedkin movie, and any Friedkin movie is going to be compared to one of the most popular movies of all time, also directed by Friedkin, uh, The Exorcist. Yeah, why couldn't Which, he direct a movie yeah. like that guy? <laughs> yeah, why couldn't Friedkin direct a movie like Friedkin? Friedkin that is a fair Friedkin, question. Yeah. It is instructive that um, in his memoirs, this is one of two movies that Friedkin does not mention once. Uh, this and Deal of the Century starring um, Chevy Chase and Sigourney Weaver. They're they're listed in his filmography at the back of the book. He has not word one about the production or anything having to do with with them. Yeah, I mean, this this movie just, it does feel like, yeah, it's a paycheck. That fits with how know? forgettable it is, um, yeah. That may have been the case, I am so- but this, and this is what's weird to me about it. Apparently, this was based on a novel by a guy called uh, Dan Greenberg called The Nanny. Unfortunately, not the story of um, a nanny from Flushing, Queens. Oh, that would have been um, great. Meaning a sexy, rich British guy with three adorable children. (laughs) That's so Um, mismatched. That's hilarious. I love it already. It was a a novel about a psychopathic nanny who kidnaps children, but it was uh, originally supposed the. It was originally supposed to go to Sam Raimi and was a little more tongue-in-cheek. And then, I could uh, see that, because Sam Raimi yeah. has experience mm. with uh, tree abuse. Oh, yeah. So. It's not even as bad as it gets in uh, The First Evil Dead. Right. But Raimi stepped away to do Dark Man, which, uh, you know, like, not a lateral move. You know, but... <laughs> hey, Sam Raimi was first on the uh, uh, Liam Neeson action hero train, so you got to give him credit for that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, before he was punching wolves, he was dark man. Yeah, nobody would have thought. But yeah, okay. Well, you know, good observation, Tim. Uh, you can you can take another break while we talk about Thank the Guardian. Thank you. <laughs> so, Raimi stepped away, 
And this went to Friedkin. And under Friedkin's guidance, such as it was, it became a little more, quote unquote, serious. Um, the central conceit notwithstanding. And the Universal was like, well, you know, this is a Friedkin movie. Like, give us something like The Exorcist. We don't just want, like, a nanny who kidnaps children. Like, give us something supernatural. And so that's how you ended up with a movie about a tree nymph that steals babies. Huh. Oh, so was the novel actually just like a, a, a psycho? I think so. It wasn't so. supernatural? I didn't, I didn't bother to uh, look into the novel because... Look, I mean, Mazes and Monsters was based on a novel, too. That isn't any, like, stamp of quality. But this one, Friedkin apparently was pretty hands-on in making changes to the story to the point where he drove the screenwriter to a nervous breakdown. And this may pique Tim's interest for a few seconds. Guess mm. who the screenwriter on this was? Uh, Stephen Volk. Uh, who wrote Ghost Watch, which we've covered on the show, and uh, also Gothic, which we covered on the show also with good, uh, yeah. my friend Julie. Um, and uh, there are there are some possibly apocryphal stories about Volk meeting with a producer on the film, and the producer telling him like, "Oh yeah, it's you know this is this is great work, we love it." Meanwhile, in a glassed off room that. Volk can see into Friedkin is looking at the script and getting more and more enraged and tearing out pages from it while cursing. Probably I, I not hope that, exactly like, that's happening. true. Yeah, I would love but, to see that with like Friedkin in the background, just like behind the guy's shoulder while the yeah, like slightly him this. slightly out of focus. <laughs> just while these guys the are just having apart. a normal meeting, like you know, so the the uh, executive assistant is like bringing them avion or whatever. And yeah. Friedkin is slowly losing his shit in the background. <laughs> but yeah. So that would have um, been interesting. I would have liked to have watched that, but uh, the guardian nope. from 1990. So what was wrong with the script? Do we know that? Friedkin that I'm not sure because like I said, Friedkin wouldn't say he wouldn't talk about it in his mm. book. <laughs> William freaking Friedkin. And I guess, um, I don't, well, actually, I do know that Stephen Volk has talked about this movie because I think there's a there's a featurette on the Blu-ray where he discusses it, but I didn't track that down because I had shit to do. There's a <laughs> Blu-ray of this? I can't even find a VHS of uh, Grim Prairie Tales. <laughs> well. Oh, I watched that on VHS. That movie, that movie is a movie. That movie... I, I love that movie so much, I wish it were better. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of my feeling on it yeah. as well. Well, um, I know what we should have talked so about. It's got so much going right. on for it. Yeah, but. I'm saying. <laughs> well. The wraparound has Brad um, Dorf and James Earl Jones. Like, what more do you need? Well, a lot more, apparently, from what you're saying about the movie. Uh, well, for the wraparound, yeah, it's the other <laughs> stories that, that need work. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's a movie that has... Uh, it, it keeps your interest, which some movies don't. Mm. Um, like this one. <laughs> Such as The Guardian. Yeah, yeah and well, uh, you know what? I've talked enough, Mike. Why don't you hold forth? That's saying it. Well, uh, so this movie basically is like, it's a movie about, yeah, a yuppie couple who hires a nanny to take care of their, their new baby, and it turns out that the nanny is uh, a tree nymph who wants to put the baby in a tree 
and um, uh, they have to stop the nanny from putting the baby in the tree. So that's that's basically what it yeah, is. Yeah, she's kind of an avant-garde um, sculptor in wood because um, the yeah. the scary tree has a uh, little baby faces sticking out of it yeah which is probably the the best part of the whole movie is the baby faces on the tree it's it's like i saw that and i was like oh that's kind of that's kind of a cool thing it's kind of a neat look um you know it reminded me a little of this the the movie did remind me a little of of uh, eyes of fire um or even company of wolves and kind of the the vibe yes um i'll do you one better except those movies you know what movie that this reminded me of Ernest scared stupid yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you've got these forest creatures, you know, put uh, preserving children in wood, and there's a scary tree. So, oh, and that yeah. is true. by the way, may I recommend um, an earlier episode featuring Tim and Mike, and not me, but it's the two of them talking about Ernest. Probably Goes our to best camp. episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what the what the um, the X factor was that made it so good. Uh, we were actually talking about wasn't that Ernest? That was Ernest goes to camp though, not uh, Ernest scared stupid. Right? Yeah, and I mean, people one. will go to bat for Ernest scared stupid as just playing at the New Beverly. Uh, people really love Ernest goes to jail. They they say that's like the pinnacle of his work, and I think Mike and I agreed that it's the direct to video ones where the quality you know drops off sharply. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I would say definitely theatrical Ernest. Uh, it's camp then jail then stupid, then Christmas, and then don't bother with any other. Don't bother with Ernest Goes to Africa. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not watch Ernest Goes to Africa because your memories of our sweet cinnamon bun Jim Varney will be forever. (laughs) Um, It would be funny to show that to like a Zoomer that you know. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, Ernest is canceled. Um, (laughs) You're a little late for that. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to inform you that God canceled Ernest long before you did. Oh, you really (laughs) didn't like that movie. (laughs) Or she, you know, I don't want to assume because, you know, might be a wood nymph. God saw Ernest yeah. goes to Africa and was like, "That's enough, Mister Varney. You're done." <laughs> oh, that's oh, I'm sad now because, by all accounts, Jim Varney was actually like a pretty nice person. Yes, well, the Guardian. Um, the the main problem. Well, this movie. It's basically like the hand that rocks the cradle. For all yes. Yeah, which came a couple years later. Um, I've never seen that movie, so I don't know if it's any good. But I would hope it's slightly more um, energetic. Yeah, one? it's it's more of a thriller. Um, it's a lot um, more uh, I don't know, say of uh, provocative. Uh, Rebecca yes. De Mornay, you know, that was, was was what put her on the map. Um, yeah, it has less supernatural stuff. It's more of just you know a direct um, you know motherly anxiety of like if I let another woman raise my child, will they somehow turn out more like her than me? Yeah, like I felt watching this movie that was obviously the kind of anxiety that they were trying to Mm -hmm. um you know uh go for to like to really needle or or poke at but the whole movie all i could think of is the real anxiety being explored is what if i hired someone and they had a personal life outside of working for me (laughs) because that's what it really yeah that could be a real problem i mean people taking sick days what's next yeah, you know, mass yeah. hysteria. Yeah, and this um, is such, there is such a potentially nannies rich... Nannies don't want to work anymore. There you go. <laughs> there is such a potentially rich thematic vein here that they just forgot to take advantage of in this movie. I don't know if it was because Friedkin just drove the screenwriter to the point of insanity. 
I don't know what Friedkin may have thought he was getting at when um, he or whoever tried to make this movie into the supernatural thriller that the studio wanted. And but... we'll never know. He's hanging out with Jim Varney right now. <laughs> God was like, Billy Friedkin, you are canceled. <laughs> I just saw Boys in the Band, and I was so offended. Um, But you could make so much hay out of this scenario, because even if you leave out the supernatural twist of the fact that this uh, the antagonist is a chick who lives in a tree, mm-hmm. the anxiety that people have around childcare and letting other people look after their children. And I do want to ask you guys this question. Uh, why is it always a nice, rich couple? Who can afford a nanny? Because well, who cares? Well, yeah. And also, like, who cares if a poor pe- person's kid gets killed? <laughs> yeah. That's not that a tragedy. A like... Yeah, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah I because mean... um, obviously the, the, the couple in this movie uh, played by Dwyer Brown and Carrie Lowell. Um, they obviously have money. Um, and then the previous couple that the, um, the sinister nanny worked for has fuck you money because that looks like Bel Air or Beverly Hills or similar yeah. address. Right. Yeah. And I did appreciate the movie name checking a lot of LA it's like, oh, I've got yeah, a you right. know a, a doctor's appointment in Westwood. It's like, oh well, then, you know, I got a place uh, right here in Saltaire. Like, oh, that's fun. I know those names. Yeah, I love when she's <laughs> like, you know, I'm gonna stop at Diddy Reese real quick. <laughs> Get <laughs> a box of twenty five cent cookies. Although that does raise the question, where's the primeval old growth forest in Pacific Palisades? Thank you, because <laughs> the. The villain in this is uh, played by Jenny Seagrove, a British actress. And the notion of a, a tree nymph or a hamadryad, as I believe the, the original Greek, it does seem to point to something ancient and primal, which is not something which comes to mind in Southern California. Is, I, I would say it's almost antithetical to Southern California. Yeah, it's such a weird yeah. choice. Yeah, the closest that we can get are like ghosts of Hollywood and maybe like an Indian burial ground. I mean, I don't think that this concept, I think the concept, if they'd leaned into that, probably could have borne a lot of fruit. You know, the idea that like, yeah, this is the last place where you would expect something ancient because California is, you know, the most recent uh, state in a very recent country. And everything out here is so new and plastic and shiny. The, the, you know, they kind of leaned into the idea of like there's this, you know, this uh, ancient uh, horror bubbling underneath that's kind of trying to break through. It could have been really interesting, but they never really acknowledge that at all. It's just, yeah, there's a there's a forest here with a note with a big weird tree that looks like it's from a McDonald's play place. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, and I have to say that um, I'm sure. The Chumash and any other indigenous peoples from this area are probably fucking grateful that they were not invoked in this movie. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? The La Brea Tar Pits are like, no, keep us the fuck out of this shit. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they could have, you know, said it's some sort of thing that predates mankind here, you know, to sidestep that little It's question. a dinosaur. Um, 
Or, you know, because this is 1990, they probably could have just made up a tribe and people would be like, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. fine. It sounds you Indian. Know? Yeah, that's cool. That's um, fine. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Um, I mean, keep in mind, like, Ravenous is from this time period. And, like, yeah, their, their depiction of uh, Native Americans is, like, all over the map. <laughs> you saying Ravenous <laughs> you isn't know? historically accurate? Yeah, people were getting mad about it, you know, online. And it's like this movie. I'm sorry, this movie's from the 90s. You couldn't Google stuff. Then. Yeah, we just said, you, you know, cut them some slack. You had to go to the library and check out a book. And if they didn't have it, then you just made something up. <laughs> yeah, it's like you expect them to know that the that the Wendigo is not a California native myth. Well, come on. Yeah, it's, they'd have to go and, it's and from much, learn something. The, the Wendigo thing is much farther north, but... As um, as it happens, we also talked about that movie. In fact, with Mike in a previous episode. Well, it is full core. Right, yeah, everything is. <laughs> everything is full core. Um, and that's why you need a three and a half hour documentary to cover it all. <laughs> well, and this is, which we this also is, covered. Well, sort of. I mean, we talked a little bit of shit, but we didn't really get into it because I I still haven't watched that documentary. I watched all of it. When I see when I see a runtime of three hours, I'm like, you know, if this isn't fucking Lawrence of Arabia, I'm not fucking interested. Yeah, did Scorsese make this documentary? No. Okay, well. Yeah, fuck you, Marty. I don't know. I heard he's kind of, a, I heard he's kind of a bro. Oh yeah. Why does he? I heard he's full of toxic masculinity. Why does he hate popular things? What's his problem? Yeah. <laughs> why don't you just like popular movies like everyone else does? I thought you were a filmmaker, yeah. Marty. I think it would be very funny if if Martin Scorsese were in his next interview just say like, you know what I really enjoy? I just really love that new Avengers movie. What a fun popcorn flick. <laughs> I rescind all my previous comments. You know, he would uh, he would be joining uh, William Friedkin and Jim Varney soon enough if he'd gone out and said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a thought. Um, uh, Mike was talking about leaning into the whole Southern California thing. What if instead it was a Joshua tree or like a palm tree? Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, that would that would be really good because I think if you had it as like, look, in, out in a desert in a single big weird Joshua tree, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, that'd be a really cool thing. Yeah, and what you if the couple? That. What if the couple were yeah. the kind of assholes who go to Coachella? Like that's in the area. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That would be really good as well because that would kind of indicate how why are they being targeted? Because they disturb the tree with their asshole Coachella. Yeah, stuff, or they're you know? they're, they're Burning um, Man people or something. Even yes, worse. Instead, but instead we get these two yuppies who I mean really don't have any personalities or anything. Oh God, yes. Um, yeah, they forgot to give. Um, they they sort of kind of give. Dwyer Brown's character, a profession, he's some kind of ad guy. And um, Carrie Lowell does something with, uh, I, she knows something about like architecture, but she has even less yeah. of a personality. And this is, this is the kind of writing of female characters that I think people still extrapolate to a lot of stuff today, because it did tend to be the case in a lot of mainstream films that it was like, what? Like the character, she's a wife. That's the character. Um, yeah, much an less architect so and now. an ad executive. Oof, that is right. like that. That is just like the default when you're trying to come up with like a white person yeah. who has free time. Oh, 
and money. And did you notice Miguel Ferrer, or did he slip past your noticing like he did that for me the first was, time I watched it? That is probably, uh, I should just Google Roger Ebert's review, because that was the biggest sin of the movie. They used Miguel Ferrer in one scene. Actually, two. He, he was in... He's one of I the didn't... asshole executives from Bro- RoboCop. Oh, shit. Was that, like, uh, what's his name? The guy who gets blown yes, up by Clarence? Yeah. Oh, I knew he looks familiar. Ward, it's fantastic. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. From uh, uh, Hot Shots. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he, um, um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's just he again. He's there. Yeah, and you yeah. see, you see his name in the opening credits. And you're like, oh, great, Miguel Ferrer. I hope he does something really sardonic. I hope that. Yeah, I hope that he's like a big prick, and then the wood nymph kills him, and you're like, well, you know, I can see how she's dangerous, but he's an asshole anyway, and we can move on with the movie. Right. But no, no yeah. he um yeah. he's in uh he's in the meeting at the beginning of the movie where mm-hmm. Dwyer Brown goes to his job interview, I guess. Right. Um and I didn't Very notice him scene. the first time <laughs> yeah. I saw the movie. Uh I only noticed him later in the movie when he goes to their house and coos over their baby. Yeah, I feel like this is a movie. Okay, so this is a movie about kind of Obviously, parental anxiety is about letting someone into your house and into your perfect family. Mm -hmm. So there should be far less about the jobs and far more about the relationship between the husband and wife. Yeah, like, I don't even know why they... I'm sorry to interrupt, Mike, but... um, You want to write characters now? Well, (laughs) I'm not sure why we have to see this couple moving to L.A. and then conceiving their child and giving birth to their child because they don't do anything with those scenes. They don't really tell us much that's relevant about these characters. Yeah, how else would you know that there's a baby if you don't see her giving birth? <laughs> yeah, you have to be like, because if I if they just show up with a baby, like, where'd that baby yeah. come from? Where's that baby from? Is I need to Did know. Did they steal it from they show a wood pregnant. Nymph? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, and then if they just showed her pregnant, I'd be like, how'd she get pregnant? How did the baby get in tummy? I need to know. How is Babby pregnant? So they have to, yeah. yeah. They have to start at the beginning. Um, how did these but, two meet? You know, the thing is, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't show that, honestly, because, boy. Wait, didn't um, they? They, the they is, did like, mention uh, that, though. Like, they even talked about when oh, they, they met. Did. Yeah, it's like, was he a virgin? You're like, oh, I never said. Yeah, they never bring that up again. God, God. And you know, what, a th- that what a thing to leave hanging, you know? Yeah. Mm. I really need to know if that guy hadn't fucked before he met Carrie Lowell. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing is, uh, a movie like this, it really needs a lot more. Um, yeah, like, like, usually if you do this sort of movie, it would be a couple who's having marital difficulties to begin with, you know? And then this woman comes in, this nanny comes in, and there's that added sexual tension of like, oh no, what if, what if there, there's a hot, sexually aggressive woman in my house? What if she wants to fuck my husband? And that, they, they, they bring that up because he has a dream where he's fucking mm. her. And then never again, it, it, it never comes up again. It never really feels like a thing that is actually an issue because the only thing that happens is he wakes up and he's slightly standoffish to the nanny after that dream yeah, yeah. and then it's just it's dropped. imagined once and his wife actually his wife gets along really well with her and in fact um tries to defend her when he's figured out uh that she's up to something and Which he's comes pretty much from out of nowhere like she just had yeah. to be in the scene as an uh antagonist to to his point of view like that 
She exists as a plot device. Yeah. Just like a woman yeah, oughta. She doesn't, she doesn't... Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does not do a whole lot. Um, but yeah, it's funny because like, watching this, I could kind of see like, you know, the contours of where a normal horror movie would go, you know, because like, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, usually you can watch a movie and it's very by the numbers, but the reason it's by the numbers is because that works. Like, it's a tried and true formula. Yeah, if you have a couple with marital difficulties, you know, oh, it's, things are going to get, they're going to be tested and it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a threat and that's foreshadowing what the threat is going to be. And, um, and then you, you get more invested in them because you want to see them, in theory, overcome this threat. But instead, it's just like, things are great. Oh, there's a nanny here. Oh, I had a dream. Oh, never mind. Oh, now, now a woman called me on the phone and said that she's bad. So, <laughs> can, you know, that's basically Can it. I just point out, and uh, this is one of those little... Yeah, she's not a real feminist, doesn't support other women <laughs> in, in kidnapping babies. You have to support her even if she is a tree nymph. Um, right. Tim mentioned the nice little um, Southern California details in this, one of which is that um, when the woman calls the house to warn him that his nanny is dangerous, uh, she gives him a phone number with an 805 area code. Gross. Which made my head snap around because I was like, wait a minute. Because I grew up with an 805 area code phone number in Ventura County. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie was shot uh, like near Six Flags, like Valencia, um, Indian Dunes, that kind of area, um, which is close to L.A., but, you know, a little bit it's not, removed. It's not really L.A., though, is it? Uh, I mean, if where I live is a suburb of L.A., it's like 40 minutes away. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, But this is the thing. Like I mentioned earlier, when he goes to the woman's house, I'm sorry, that is like Bel Air or Beverly Hills. That's not that's not 805. Well, he he just drove two hours to get there. Uh, but, you know, like, it's um, L.A., like, you know, if you're going from, like, friggin', like, you're going from the west side to, like, Echo Park, it's going to take you two hours anyway. That's what I'm from saying. From the west side yeah. to the east side. I love L.A. <laughs> oh, uh. <laughs> oh, You know, the one thing I can never figure out about L.A., though, all the damn tree nymphs. <laughs> so I have to say, uh, I oh, feel like our boys. tree nymph in this, Camilla. Yeah. Yes. Um... Camilla did nothing wrong. <laughs> That's, I, I, yeah, see? Honestly, like, I, I do not, like, I mean, I don't really care that much about this yuppie couple. They're they're just kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Um, Camilla is, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, she, she steals babies because she wants to put them in a tree. Presumably, like, she needs to do that for a reason. Like, it, it, like save the tree. Actually, it's never... It's never brought up, is it? Why she's well, doing she well? She keeps it's, saying it's really that she like needs the him. Blood, yeah, yeah. The before the blood yeah. changes, be, and it has something to do with it being breastfed by the mother. Um, interesting thing here is um, when the nice, uh, rich white couple are interviewing potential nannies. Uh, one of the women they interview says, oh, well, you plan to breastfeed for at least six months, don't you? And then Carrie Lowell's response is, oh, well, you know, our pediatrician said four months is enough, um, which... No, no, six years. Yeah, like, I don't... 
I don't know that that's the case today, but I don't have kids, so who the fuck knows? Uh, write in, info at haveyouseen.us. Tell us about your, your breastfeeding. <laughs> right. Now, what I think would have made for a more interesting movie, if they had gone with the nanny that looks like Robin Williams in drag. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of comedic potential there. And then if they had thrown a party at the house and played uh, House of Pain... And then uh, Pierce Brosnan was there. Yeah, or maybe if he had led like a mime class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I, I just realized because uh, part of the reason that this movie is kind of dull, mm-hmm. uh, besides the fact that, you know, our main characters are completely forgettable and it's filmed very slowly, um, is there's this supernatural thing, but they never really explore it. Because in a typical horror movie like this, there would be a point where the the husband uh, like gets suspicious, and he goes and talks to lo- he goes to the local university and talks to professor of triology. Yeah, we're supposed to have or, an info dump at some point of like all this arcana. He could have gone to UCLA. Exactly. They got like a. It's right in like... Westwood. You just take yeah. the four hundred five yeah. southbound to Wilshire, and then yeah, you get a or sandwich at, at Buck Fitty. Rest in okay. peace. <laughs> Oh damn! Buck yeah. Fitty. yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got three Bruins here, folks. Oof. That's why that's um, why we're all talking about movies rather than making them. <laughs> um, I feel like there should be a, also a bit where for what he goes to a library and he goes through the microfiche and finds all these you know oh there's, there's a string of baby disappearances mm-hmm. you know Powell what I mean library. like you kind of tease that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and Powell's got a great fact, look to it too. Yeah, I work yeah. there, you know. I believe it. Oh, yeah. that's right. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like, he's in, he even has, you know, finds, like, a woodcut engraving of, like, a tree nymph <laughs> that looks just like the nanny, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. I think that the problem um, is Friedkin tore out so many pages of the original script that he was just coming up with stuff, like, on the day, and that's why everything <laughs> is so, like, just e- ephemeral. Like, he didn't, <laughs> yeah. he didn't remember to put in characters after he tore out the original ones. Friedkin was like, ah, oh, oh, shit, another- I really regret my outburst of rage in the production office well nothing to do now um we got those wolves Um, but another another thing about that though because like you know um there should be uh yeah like the bit where he like goes to the library there should be a bit talking to professor you know all that stuff where you get the info done Mm -hmm. but i also feel like it should start because the nanny does something suspicious and then he starts getting suspicious but his wife still likes her so that starts the conflict there right it's like she's coming between them but instead everything is fine they love the nanny everything is great until they get that random phone call like two-thirds of the way through the movie from the that other woman who has off screen done all the work of connecting the dots (laughs) while our main characters sit around with their thumbs up their ass well yeah drawing architectural plans and make an ad copy yeah listening to kcrw oh yeah be sure oh yeah she's the uh, i like how they have the um you know that that's that sexy DJ from the Mist or oh, no, oh, the Fog is, uh, <laughs> is on the radio here. Now, um, actually, actually, Mike, and this is another bit of Southern California trivia. Um, this is a real KCRW DJ, Deirdre O'Donohue, who uh, had a show that was well regarded on uh, KCRW 89.9, and also hosted on the weekends a show which I and my best friend from my hometown used to listen to, uh, Breakfast with the Beatles. Oh, what? the Beatles. Yeah, Deirdre O'Donoghue. And um, I believe that popular? she... Huh? 
Were they popular? Uh, no. They're really no. obscure. You probably haven't heard of them. But I um, no, they never got as big as the zombies. Oh, but man. yeah, um, Deirdre O'Donoghue was uh, kind of a beloved radio presence, and actually died like fairly young. I think in her early fifties, back in two thousand and one. Oh, and there was never they nobody ever reported like the cause of death, which is strange. Like I actually tried to find that out because that's what I do when I when I hear that someone's dead. I want to know how they died, but uh, to this day, we don't know. Oh, died under mysterious circumstances. Hmm. Perhaps there's Maybe, a tree uh, somewhere in, uh, you know, Vets Park that has a, a KCRW host face in it. Maybe um, maybe she was beaten to death in a psychotic rage by William Friedkin. Maybe someone <laughs> ran a car into her outside of the queues. <laughs> right on Wilshire. Ooh, we should talk about Eric Red on the show. <laughs> sure, go for it. Cause, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, gee, remember when we lived right off Wilshire Boulevard? Yeah, I've seen <laughs> so many car accidents then. Uh, fun stuff. But anyway, California. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Guardian, Guardian. Uh, wood nymph. Uh, giant tree. Poltergeist. Uh, what if she had? Stupid, what if? Did that. What if she were a California nymph that, like, came down from a palm tree? Yeah, and I mean, she has, like, a fake yeah, that, British that accent would... like people in, uh, like, Venice Beach have. <laughs> <laughs> like, I... I... They all could be California <laughs> nymphs. Oh, Because I remember then... a girl in college who, like, she was, like, you know, studying to be a masseuse, and she had, like, that fake English accent like that, like, Madonna has. So that's <laughs> a Southern California thing. They could have added that into it. Yeah, and then for the info dump, it's he doesn't go to a professor. It, he talks to um, his tree guy. <laughs> oh my god! You know and the guy's like, the "Oh yeah, you have a you have a hamadryad. We we get those all the time." <laughs> Man, you know, I, I feel like um, uh, we're we're like we're like doing the movie doctors thing here because like. <laughs> The movie would be so much better if they if they just followed some of this advice. You know, maybe uh, if Raimi had done, they would have gotten that with Sam Raimi. Would have been more yeah. like that. Yeah, that seems like yeah. it's much more in his wheelhouse. Um, so there's also let's see, there's um also uh, I would like to talk a little about um this fucking asshole Runcy. Oh, Ed Runcy, whatever. <laughs> the his guy name who is. built the nice rich white couple's house, who uh play, oh, so played he, by Brad Hall, who was on SNL in like 1982. Oh, <laughs> yeah! Like I could, I was like, sure. That would, yeah, that's. Uh, and he is in fact married to Julia Louis Dreyfus. Hmm. Huh. So he's the sort well, of uh, like inoffensive uh, ginger who's in a couple of scenes and then dies, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. I, I fucking hate this guy so much. <laughs> he's so fucking annoying. Like. He's. I was trying to figure out. Like, so wait a minute. He built the house. Is he a construction guy, an architect, an interior design? What is he? He's. I'm, I can't tell what he actually is. Yeah, I he's think a he's dork. an architect. Um, well, same. Yeah, he is a dork. Yeah. Um, and he he gets like he gets interested in the nymph and wants to bone her, and he's just like, oh my god, it's one of those. He's just so fucking like obvious about it, but like, you know, I. But but in that like oh golly shucks 
I'm a nice guy. <laughs> oh, fucking fuck. Well, yeah, his really biggest cringy. mistake is uh, following her into the woods. Yeah, what does he expect? What does he expect is going to happen? Oh, I'll follow her into the woods. Why? What are you going to do, man? What's your plan here? Hmm? What's, what's, what's that all about? My problem with it but, uh, is the same problem that Mike had about the uh, the woman from earlier in the movie who lost her baby showing up having done all the research. Is that we're seeing all things happen to peripheral characters. Meanwhile, yeah, like none of this is engaging with like the the central uh, the central players in this. It's like we're we're watching just a forgettable dork get chased through the woods by some dogs and like. Is this yeah. our story? <laughs> like, this is the thing that we chose to focus on? He is, um, I like when he, he shows up because he wants to, like, take, uh, what's her name, Camilla out on a date. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a band playing. I thought she'd be interested in going with me. Oh, sure. Does she, is she expecting you? No! What? Dude, this is a terrible, <laughs> and he's like, this is not how, this is not, not how you do work, it. Yeah. And then he's like, well, yeah, it's like, and, and when uh, the lady, the girl is like, well, she left already. He's like, oh, well, here, take these flowers. And and it's just like, oh, God, man. Wah, wah. Pathetic. Look for Pathetic. look for Mike's upcoming piece in Jezebel. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like if, if that was me, if I walked in and she's and Camilla's not there, I'd just be like, oh, okay, and I'd leave, and I would not be like, I'm not be, not be too, I don't, whatever the character's name is, the wife, be like, no, take these, take this bouquet of flowers, I'd like so that I can really show you how pathetic I am, so you know now. That I was coming here with the intent of like trying to get like Camille to go out with me, but I failed, and now I'm throwing a little fucking hissy fit about it and trying to. And you have to feel sorry for me now. Take the flowers. It's like, and she's like, no, no, go, go get her. She'll be fine. It's like, oh, this guy's just I'd, fishing. Yeah, for I'd it. really so fucking pathetic. I'd really hate to see this guy get killed in two scenes from now. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, I also this guy. I'm sorry. He goes. He he follows her into the woods. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, you know, kind of, you know, major creeper right there. He sees her, like, what, like, uh, bathing naked and then sit on a tree and a bunch of wolves come around. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, oh, no, I got to run away. So he runs away for some dumbass reason, doesn't just run back the way he came, but instead climbs a barbed wire fence (laughs) and then goes back into his house and doesn't. How does this guy not know? He he doesn't close the fucking door. Oh, I'm going to close the door. It's like they're, the wolves are after me. They don't have hands. If you kept the door closed, the, the, what? He, also, I, I, he calls the fucking cops. Like, oh, the coyotes sent someone. Just what, what the fuck? That's yeah. it. Is coyotes? it is very funny to um, live in Southern California and call emergency services and be like, oh, there are coyotes in my yard. It's like, oh, oh, a word? Are there raccoons too? And skunks? Yeah, see, I yeah. would have I would have believed him being chased by raccoons. Like that would have made a lot more sense. Like if you yeah, have yeah. a Joshua tree and like ra- a raccoon familiar, no, oh, yeah, and feel raccoons more like Southern California. Right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, that would be a very I, that's way better. Because I mean, if I if I if you call the cops and like there's coyotes here, it's like okay, sir, uh, take take a, a wooden spoon and a pan and walk outside and bang them together. You'll be fine. Uh, you'll be. <laughs> you know? uh, don't. Not to worry, sir. We're sending a roadrunner right now. <laughs> the hero of the I movie. I just think it's funny that control. the cops just hang up on him. Well, <laughs> LAPD. Yeah. Yeah. If, it, if the um, LAPD had showed up, they just would have beaten him to death before the wolves got him. Right. I mean, well, they would have looked well, around and be like, "I don't see any animals here," and be like, "Yeah, I don't either." And be like, okay, well, enjoy the rest of your evening. 
And then he'll get killed by wolves. Well, if they show, if the the LAPD showed up, they would if they saw they saw the wolves, uh, they would only kill them if they assumed that they belonged to the guy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because yeah. they do love killing <laughs> oh, dogs. Oh yeah, they or, love yeah. to shoot dogs. Uh, now, if there's a, if there's something that cops love, it's shooting dogs. Yeah. And <laughs> now I had mentioned earlier the movie not holding my attention for the first twenty minutes. That continues on for the next twenty five minutes. So I took a break, you know, did some laundry, watched another couple of movies, took a nap, came back and resumed this the tense scene of our uh, ginger architect being menaced by wolves. And there's a scene of him acting opposite the prop phone when he's calling the police. And there are dogs running around in the back. There's no, like, atmospheric sound. There's no music. And I can just think what a thankless shoot that must have been for this actor trying to, like, convey dread and tension when there's just none to be there. It's, it is a boring-ass 30-somethings, you know, quality scene that is supposed to be, like, the yeah. first time something major threatening and bloody happens in this movie. I'll say this, Brad Hall does do fine work as a man being hounded to his death by wolves. Uh, the mm -hmm. wolves are fine, too. Um, they're good doggies. But, <laughs> yeah, there's no... Um, uh, especially when you consider um, The Exorcist. Um, yeah, he, one he's of the got... A best regarded yeah, he's got a landline phone to work with, yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, does not stint on mood, like... From the very opening of The Exorcist, like, the mood is terrifying. Like, the statue of Pazuzu, like, everything is just like, oh, God, like, you know, where is this going? Nowhere yeah, good. Yeah, it's really ominous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I gotta say, you guys, um, talking about this movie has made me a little thirsty. Oh. <laughs> well... <laughs> Thirsty, you say? <laughs> Perhaps if there was, if only there was some sort of uh, liquid refreshment that, that you could consume. Now, no one. But where could one get such a thing? No one likes drinking water more than trees. But you, sir, are no tree. You're a person, and for that, you deserve something more. Yeah, and you know, hydration isn't just for trees. It's for you and me. And if you want to be free to be, you and me. Do it with liquid IV. <laughs> See, now that's a better improv than anything that, you know, Friedkin or the cats were coming up with on the shoot of The Guardian. That That's true. Um, we don't yeah, have and wolves, I mean, but we do have ad copy. Yeah, and the nymph is eating babies to, like, to maintain her youthfulness. But you and me, being real flesh and blood people, we don't need to go that far. We just need water with a little extra something something. That's right, because proper functional hydration is essential, and Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. I dare you to mention another hydration multiplier. You can't think of one. I, you know what? I really, really can't. See? So it's going to have to be Liquid IV with just one stick. Liquid IV. It's Liquid IV or nothing. With just one stick, you can hydrate two times faster than with water alone, plus you get essential vitamins and three times the electrolytes that you get in the leading sports drinks. So when you're walking in LA, as people are often known to do, not just weird, <laughs> creepy nannies with uh, 
uh, unnerving British accents, you're going to be super hydrated for when you arrive somewhere in Westwood to get cookies or go to a movie theater with a bunch of college students. That's right. When I grit my teeth and go to Westwood, I always make sure to bring along a jug with some liquid IV in it. And I have so many flavors to choose from. Uh, We got Seaberry, we got Strawberry Lemonade, we got Concord Grape, Lemon Lime, Pina Colada, Tropical Punch, Watermelon, Strawberry, Passion Fruit, Guava, Acai, Berry. There are probably more, but they're not on this list. So why don't you go to the website and find out? Jen, you're bearing the lead. I am especially interested in that Pina Colada. That sounds interesting to me. I like those and getting caught in the rain, RIP. Do you like pina colada and sucking dick because you're gay? (laughs) Is that a rhetorical question or asking me? Do you like making love at midnight in a men's room off the five? I have a question about liquid IV, though. Okay. Please. So you already mentioned that one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. And that, that, I think I'm sold just on that, but I'm curious if it contains any essential vitamins. You know, I'm way ahead of you, Mike. It's got five essential vitamins. It's got all the Bs. <laughs> it's got all the, the Bs that you'd care about. Three, five, six, twelve. And, you know, just as an extra for, for you, they throw in vitamin C for nothing extra. Damn. Yeah. I can't even think of any other vitamins. Right, yeah. You, you wouldn't want any other vitamins. You know what, Tim? <laughs> vitamin c i mega dose that and it cures my common cold in minutes <laughs> perfect for credulous actors yes minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know on top of all those helpful letters it's also got like i said three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks and um it's free from gluten dairy and soy unless you want to put any of those things in your water um, yeah, I, I do not I recommend. recommend now. Sometimes I, I just like to add a little splash of milk to my water. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this water needs some body. I like to go with heavy cream myself. Yeah. Oh, you know, I dip it in bread and eat the soggy bread. I'm like a pigeon. Yeah, I like I like pairing uh, the lemon-lime liquid IV with um, some half and half. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really refreshing. Right, yeah. It's uh, aqua fresca, which you can also get in L.A. <laughs> But I know that I know that we've hammered on this pretty hard. But come on, folks, try it out. But I mean, it was it was that or talk about the Guardian, and I think our choice is clear. <laughs> That's true. And you know, forget the Guardian. I don't even know if it's streaming. Who cares? I've but you can get twenty percent off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code H Y S T P O D. Histpod at checkout has 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code H-Y-S-T-P-O-D at liquidiv.com. We have nothing for no, you what's if that? you watch uh, Guardian, though. Like, if you choose to rent that on streaming, that's your own fault. We cannot help you there. <laughs> yeah, bad choice. You should go to liquidiv.com instead. Wait, what's that promo code again? I forgot. H. Y-S-T-P-O-D. You're killing me, Mike. She's already told you three times. H-Y-S-T-P-O-D <laughs> at liquidiv.com. Yeah, 20% well, off people. Yeah, there's a hyphen in the name. I'm just excited for real people, real flavor, and real hydrating. God, I am too. And by the way, there's a, a hyphen in the URL, and you're never going to guess where it is. You said it, and then I scrolled up, and I was like, holy shit, he's right. That is so funny. Liquid dash IV. Look, the alternative is drinking breast milk from a British nanny 
Ooh. and that's going to be a lot more difficult. Like you're going to have problems with your wife. Someone's going to emerge from her past to say all of her references are made up or dead. You're going to end up just a face in a tree. So play it safe, survive, and drink liquid IV. That's right. Oh, and b- by the way, there, uh, Tim, it's a redirect if you type in liquidiv.com. I figured. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. I think, I think this, this movie, really, it's, uh, it's really a, a warning about the importance of checking references, if you think about it. Because apparently, if they had bothered to call a single reference, this entire <laughs> shenanigans could have been avoided. Right. And after the husband, like, flips out and goes all apeshit against the nanny, is like, you're fired. It's like... She's probably being paid under the, under the table. She doesn't have any, like, recourse. Like, this is, you know, this is the U.S. where it's just, like, we hire undocumented nannies left and right. Like, it's a cornerstone of our economy is, you know, an, an underpaid uh, underclass of, of uh, immigrant slave labor. Of course she gets fired. Like, you just kick her out and put her on the street and you're done. There's not an yeah. issue here. No, but I like how he has to throw her against the bed before he does that. And, like, just, like, just start tossing her, like, clothing around. Yeah. Because it's not enough to fire her. He has to get violent about it. You yeah, know? because not only does he, like, throw her down, like, later in the hospital. And admittedly, it is when she is trying to kidnap their baby. He just smacks her right in the fucking face. That was great. I, I thought I, that was hilarious. That is a- yeah, that is a great scene, but it's but especially because of when I saw it for a split second, I thought that he just like decked her in the face with the baby. <laughs> you love to see it, like he just yeah, Psych! like because he, he did have the baby at that point, and yeah. he, it looked like he was just smacking her with the baby. But <laughs> but when he first confronted her, that whole scene was like, okay, you know, I don't want to be cinema sins and like, oh well, you know, I hope that's a plot hole. But it was very obvious to me, like, okay, dude. You, you immediately escalated this into, like, shouting and screaming and, like, potential violence. Perhaps before you do that, you should go up to your nanny when she doesn't expect anything and say, Hey, hey, why don't you hand me that baby? Let me hand me the baby that you're holding. Yeah, just, l- just let me hold it for a second. Okay, now that I'm holding the baby, now I'm going to, like, punch you, you in know, the face, yeah. Uh, ask you, yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like, why wouldn't she just be like, I, I put a gun to the baby's head now, now do what I say. You know? Yeah, and there Whatever. is a little bit just, of a... Uh, or hit him with the baby. Yeah, there's a little bit of a gun to a baby's head where it's like after they fire her, then the baby gets sick for like no reason and whatever it probably has to do with the 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 titty milk or the blood or the juices or whatever yeah it's it's was it tricky the nanny's titty milk was she breastfeeding the baby i mean that's what i thought was gonna happen they they do that directly in hand that rocks a cradle it's one of the more memorable moments from that movie because it's like oh she's just having a baby sucking on her tit because she gets off on it the weirdo (laughs) (laughs) well and this is a i think this is a common point of anxiety because if you read the am i the asshole subreddit as much as i do you will notice that these stories will periodically crop up because we know that 80 percent of those posts are fake but one conceit is the idea of a an unhinged uh, friend a relative who's got baby rabies like just breastfeeding your baby and if you think about it now i'm not I'm not exactly maternal, but I can understand why that would be a tremendous violation to a mother. Right. Yeah, it's like I I um, made this kid. I own it. I think, <laughs> yeah, that is really a big another problem with this movie is I feel like this nanny is not is not transgressing as many boundaries as she should because literally 
the only thing that she does wrong before being exposed is that the husband has a sex dream about her. But she's very professional the whole time, you know? So it's like... Although, okay. although maybe a little forward having a, a bath with the baby and they're both naked as. Oh my god, but, the baby saw her titties? I mean, that, yeah. yeah. Like, right up close. The, um, yeah. Lucky the, ass baby. <laughs> the, you know, the husband seems, seems pretty... I don't know, like, it's, I feel like that scene he should have been something, but, like, he's so blasé about it. Um, this movie is extremely not horny. Yeah, you know, which which is really, uh, really kind of, I think, one of the reasons it just slog, it feels like a slog. You, th- you think you know? when the baby was like, like in the in the bathtub with the with the nanny and sees her snatch and it's like, hey, I used to live in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I miss it. My old place. Yeah, I really feel like it's really she, cold they, here. It's so cramped. <laughs> they really needed to get a uh, uh, an actress for the nanny who you know oozed sex a little more. You know, um, that's re- yeah. There's yeah, like Rebecca Jenny Seagrove is fine, but yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's no Rebecca De Mornay. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I do think. Oh, but it is very funny when he fi- when finally the uh, the husband whose name I still can't remember Doesn't decides matter. to investigate. And uh, he's talking to like, what's her name? The the rich woman who got her baby taken in the beginning. And he's and he's getting her to describe the nanny. And she's like, she had an accent, like a European accent. <laughs> really? Maybe, maybe English, Re- maybe English. Only the most distinctive <laughs> of the European accents. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, because the way that she, she said, I, and I understand like not being able to place British accents like within the aisles, like... Right. Yeah. You know, the average it, person would be like, "Oh yeah, or, yeah that person." Scouse. Yeah. Oh, that person uh, sounded like they were from Lancashire or something. <laughs> but people usually can place a British accent. Yeah. At worst, they'll they'll yes. miss and hit Australia. But yeah. But yeah. you know what? Maybe um, maybe the reason that Diana slash Camilla was able to steal the baby is because these people were so dumb. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple well, of yuppies yeah, in L.A. The woman, I think it's understood they're dumb. And considering the wife was like, oh, I forgot my glasses. We have to go back. You forgot your glasses? How do you do that? You wear them on your face <laughs> all the time. I mean, seriously. What a stupid hole. Yeah, yeah I can see anyway, why she needs someone um, else to raise her damn baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where are we in the movie? Um, we're, we're almost the baby's sick. through with it. The, yeah, yeah then the, the baby gets better. He yeah, drills her in the face. <laughs> um, then he, yeah, he has the baby and they're running with the baby. And I think they're trying to, do they try to get to the tree for, for, for some no, reason? No, they're just trying to get the, um, the baby away from her. But then he, the guy takes the initiative to cut down the tree, which I mean, don't tell Reddit because everyone there is an expert on tree law. So if it's not in its property. R slash tree law. And I don't know how they really missed the opportunity to um, sort of explicate her scary tree nymph powers because there is a point where she's like pursuing them like from the air, which I'll give I'll give Freakin that. That is kind of a scary shot just because it's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, that fuck? is the one And Carrie Lowell movie. gets to drive a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's menaced by, um, by vicious doggies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, her husband uh, absconds with the baby, and um, Carrie Lowell is able to mash Camilla with the Jeep. Yeah, and then they do the absolute dumbest thing I've ever seen in a movie, which is they go to the cops, mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm confessed to a murder. 
We right. killed a woman. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, you, and they're like, but it's okay because she was flying. She was a flying tree nymph, so it's okay that we killed her. And the cops are like, yeah, we didn't find the body, so uh, you know, I guess you're free to go. And they're just <laughs> arguing with the cops, like, no, we killed her. We did a murder. It's like, what do you want? I don't know what, what they're yeah, trying like, to get out of that. Here. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's like, oh. Because if I was there, again, uh, cinema sings, sins, let me ding them on this. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, ding. oh, I just murdered someone. Maybe I shouldn't tell anyone. And also, if she's a fucking tree nymph, she probably doesn't actually exist. Right. It's not like she Maybe has like a social records. security number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and that's the, that's the point that is eventually made is the, the police lieutenant or whoever they're talking to is like, well, you know, there's no record of this woman you're talking about. And they don't take the opportunity to be like, oh, you know what? We are sleep deprived and insane. We're sorry. We didn't actually kill a woman. And the thing is, like, I don't I don't know what they like. Do they expect the cops to go to the tree, find her corpse and then say, like, OK, you're under arrest. Hand over your baby and we're going to put you in prison. You're going to give it to a nanny. Yeah. Ah. Yes. They cops do find apparently the cops do see that the tree has baby faces on it. Uh, they just think that they're carvings. Uh, which is a pretty reasonable thing to think if you found a tree with baby faces on it. That's um, true. I would assume that it was, you know, either a carving, some kind of art installation or something. I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, there are human infants in that tree that are trapped. Yeah, or, you know, I it's mean, just like... I gotta say, this cop that, that they meet, we're the, the, smart, the world's smartest cop, he sees, <laughs> like, carvings on a, tr- a baby face on a tree and reaches a logical conclusion... Instead of immediately being like, uh, it's, go- it's a ghost. It's a haunted tree, yeah. Because um, I mean, you well, know, my old job, there was we had a cop, and he was like, you know, Slender Man is real. It's like, <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so cops, not very bright. Yeah, I was going to say world's smartest cop, so like what, like a solid 85 IQ? Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah. But Well, I mm-hmm. thought he would just be like, oh, yeah, it's that, you know, famous tourist attraction, the baby face tree. Like, how did you guys not know about that? It's like it's like that like yeah, ballerina it's... clown in Venice, that like hideous yeah, it's giant like something sculpture. you'd see in Atlas Obscura. Right? Yeah, it's like that. That would actually be that would be brilliant because it would be so incredibly SoCal. Yeah, it's just it's the baby face tree. You go, you know, take a selfie for for the grams. <laughs> me, me with my twenty ten ass lingo. <laughs> well, Tammy still got Riz. Oh, I do. But do you have drip? I bring it to the show every episode. <laughs> well, the reason he's able to drip so much is because of liquid IV. Right, yeah. This show had no juice, but then we uh, mega dose liquid IV, and now we got it. Yeah. Liquidiv.com. With, with all with uh, five essential vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> F- well, four essential vitamins and another one that is like a friend of theirs. But it does have three times the electrolytes right, yeah. of leading sports drinks. Yeah. Uh, we we glossed over it briefly, but yeah, I have to agree with with Jen that that one shot of the backlit wood nymph flying through the trees is a genuinely creepy shot. The rest of the movie doesn't support it, though. No. Yeah, no. and can I just say that I'm a little a slightly disappointed that there isn't more. There aren't more like tree nymph powers because for the most part, the tree does a lot of the. Um, the heavy lifting. The heavy yeah. lifting. Oh man, that guy yeah. built a house out of a tree. What a monster! <laughs> <laughs> That's why the tree was mad. Right. But um, earlier in the movie, she's um, menaced by a middle-aged gang 
of three white guys. Yeah, a motley gang. Yeah, the, and this is this is a very hilarious gang, as gangs often are in these kinds of bad movies, because one of them looks like Jonah Hill when he got skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another one looks like he thinks he's like Greaser Willem Dafoe and he carries like a big buck knife because mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that Greasers do. And the other guy kind of looks like the friend from American Movie. You know, the one who acts like he maybe like huffed too much gasoline. Oh, Mike. But it's just kind of like good natured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Yeah. He yeah. recently passed away. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. But um, yeah. So... You have this uh, ragtag group of men who want to um, like, assault the nanny. Yeah, up here, I guess they're just stalking the the force of uh, Ventura, like just looking for <laughs> easy just, prey. They're just wandering through Wildwood. Yeah, they're like, you know, <laughs> we were doing some bird watching, and uh, you know, we saw some. It was cool. We saw some cactus wrens mm. and. Um, uh, you know, some uh, white crowned sparrows, but then we saw this hot bitch with a baby, and we we're like, oh shit, like, we haven't raped all day. Yeah. So. <laughs> we, I want to tease her like we're in high school and not three grown adults. Right. And I'll give I'll give the movie this. It does lead to one of the only good or interesting scenes, which is three guys getting just murdered by a fucking tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would I, I would watch the movie for that, but nothing else. Yeah, like it is kind of cool that you know, like I, I think like one limb like smacks a guy and just like blasts his head off. <laughs> Another guy gets impaled by a root that comes up from a ground. Yeah. The ground. Um, it's really gruesome, and I'm like, okay, hell yeah, like gore, and yeah. that's about it. Yeah, guys getting like entangled and like strangled by giant tree roots, and you know the the uh, practical effects are you know decent enough. It's a yeah, the tree the tree is a little up. goofy looking, but yeah. And then you know, yeah, there are other parts too where like she goes to like regenerate or whatever because she gets stabbed or something at some point, and she's like hanging out with the tree, and the tree's all like like creeping on her with like its branches all like <laughs> fondling her, which like, that's that's neat. Well, they're fluid bonded, right? Yeah, well, sap bonded. <laughs> They they both have xylem and phloem. Mm. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, at, do you know much? Do you know much about nymphs, Mike? I know um, not to trust them. <laughs> Certainly not, not with your baby. Right. I mean, technically, this thing is a dryad, but you know. Yeah, and yeah, um, the movie sick. mentions druids right up front, which um, seems kind of unfair to me because I'm like, come on, like druids don't have shit to do with this movie. <laughs> Well, the movie, I don't think it ever says what she is or anything. We don't have any, like, like we don't get the info dump or anything. It's just, yeah, there's a woman who lives in a tree, and she needs a baby for reasons, but, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. crazy Never homeless went to person. Powell Library. Yeah. yeah. Never even went to the to the YRL. Mm. Yeah. Or was it was it the URL back then? Oh, I, I think it was still a, I think it was the YRL, if I remember right. Young Research Library. Mm. Yeah. When did it? Yeah. Was it the URL first or was it the YRL first? I don't remember. Oh, I I actually don't remember. Didn't go to the Hammer Museum. It's been a very long time. Didn't go to the New Art. Yeah. Well, we we all we all went to school fifty years ago, so <laughs> yeah. Our our minds are are dim and cobwebbed. Yeah, that's ba- that's back when tuition was only in the tens of thousands. Yeah. I remember being Dirt in college cheap. at UCLA and like gonna go gonna go get lunch at the Bell. That's what we call Taco Bell. You know, there was an on-campus Taco Bell. Oh, the it bell. wasn't the Loke? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the 
it's El Pollo Loco. I liked how the squirrels around there were fat as fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're eating student food. Yeah. Hottest, hottest squirrels. We, uh, <laughs> remember the Cooperage? You could get a Cooperoni or a Cooperoni. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. I feel like I know somebody who got, like, really sick from the Cooperage. It was, was probably it guys... my wife. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Since she worked there and everything. Right. Probably the only one who washed her hands regularly. I think she actually mentioned that. So she had no immunity. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Did anyone uh, pay $200 for a textbook there? Oh, I never bought textbooks. Smart. Yeah. You know, if you just go to that's class. The, that's the only true test of college. Yeah. Just so well, you go to class, you don't need to do the reading. They, they usually don't, they, they usually just base the, te- the test on the lectures. Yeah, they tell you everything. This has been Bruin Talk, sponsored by uh, <laughs> BJ's Brewery and Liquid IV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lie to them about it being your birthday and get a free pizuki. <laughs> and while in Westwood, turn around and leave immediately because Westwood fucking sucks. Yeah, get the fuck out of that place. It's cursed. Yeah. But uh, where were we with the uh, the Guardian? Well, I don't know. I'd say you could cut me out of that and just like end with saying Westwood sucks. <laughs> Did anybody notice that not only does uh, the lead actor in this Dwyer Brown look like Bruce Campbell's little brother, he also wears a blue shirt and brown pants and takes a chainsaw to something and gets covered in blood. I think Sam Raimi probably would have been, yeah, a better choice. Yeah. 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 I I would agree. That scene probably would have hit a lot better uh, in a Sam Raimi joint. This movie would have at least have been funny instead of just dull. Thanks yeah. a lot, William Friedkin. William yeah, Friedkin, and you know Friedkin. what? He's um he escaped justice. He's dead.